Welcome back to Inside the USFL uh, podcast, giving you an inside look at the USFL from someone on the inside. To my right is Birmingham Stallion Center, Jordan McRae. I am Zach Bruner. We are heading into week nine, and it's an interesting situation for you guys. You guys are 8-0, clinched the number one seed. Some would say you have nothing to play for. Uh, is that your guys' mindset going into week nine, then? Uh, honestly, no, that's 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 not what we uh, the mindset that we have. Um, our goal for the beginning, even from the beginning of the season was to go one and know every week and uh, win every game that we're going to be a part of. So um, we don't want to ease into the playoffs or anything of that nature. So we're, we're approaching this game as a must win game. And that's how we're going to that's how we're going to attack it. So um, trying to go one and know every game. And this is just the next one. So it's the most important. Yeah, I think that's been your guys' mentality from the beginning is just week-by-week basis, figure it out. Obviously, it has worked. And going into this past game, again, you were 7-0, clinched the playoffs, going against the Breakers, who is seemingly going to be your first-round matchup of the playoffs. So some people are wondering if you would come up flat. It's pretty obvious that you guys didn't. You know, final score may, may make people feel that way. Yeah. You guys... You know, come in, drove the field, uh, dominant first drive, and then a fumble on the goal line cost you guys a score. Is that a deflating thing for the offense when you guys are so dominant, drive the field, and then come up with zero points at the end of it? Um, I'm not going to lie, just a, a little bit, but, you know, um, we just try to put the mistakes behind us and get on to the next drive. But um, it was a little bit deflating, but with how successful we were that first drive, we, we knew that it was something that we could sustain. And I uh, just got to take it up to the next drive, make sure that we pick pick the guy up who made the mistake and just keep it keep it pushing like that. But um, I, I, I can't lie. It is a little deflating. It's hard not to be. But yeah, this is this is such a unique. This past game was so unique just because what you guys normally do, you know, maybe you guys don't normally come out super uh, hot and mm-hmm. then you get hot towards the end of the game is kind of the opposite. And after coming up, you know, you know, empty the first drive, you would think maybe, oh, you guys come out flat in the second drive. That's not the case because that was the drive you guys score your touchdown. Mm-hmm. But, like, we don't need a sugar coated. I think this is probably the worst overall offensive special teams game. Yep. And, but you guys, I would assume, have to feel pretty good that that was, you know, the result was still a win. And it's the playoff team. So, uh, like, what's the overall team feel coming out of this game where it was such a narrow victory, obviously? I'm not I'm not going to lie, at least from the offensive standpoint. Yeah, we won the game, but our defense played their ass off. Um, yeah, really, really played well. And and a lot of guys, especially on offense, had the same feeling coming out of the game. It's like, yeah, we won, but it doesn't feel like it. You know what I mean? Because we, we there's a lot of little mistakes that we were making. We were we were so strong to start and then just couldn't sustain anything for a good portion of the rest of the game so um definitely something that we got to go back to the tape and have gone back to the tape and get get a little bit better at but um we know how good we can be and i guess it's, it's like i say every week it's always good to correct mistakes after a win even if uh a ugly win like that man but it is mm-hmm. what it is uh one point one point victory or a 20 point victory man a victory is a victory so we we offensively especially we know that we can be a lot better so it kind of felt like a loss but i'm glad it wasn't right right and you know winning fixes everything mm-hmm. is the saying but i mean it's 
in a way, it's good that you guys are going into the final two weeks of the season with clear things that you need to fix. Yeah. Like maybe you don't need to go in and, you know, if you, you don't need a win this next week, a win doesn't do anything for you, but there are things that you need to correct. And that could be, you know, the win in the column for you guys, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, right. Right. So, I mean, we, we can we can just talk about some of the self-imposed mistakes because I'm wondering how you address those at this point in the season. So, there, you know, there's some fumbles, there's some drops, those happen, it is what mm-hmm. it is. Um, there was there was some bad snaps, I think not as many as the commentator wanted to point out. It seems like he may have had an agenda. Uh, yeah. It was clat or whatever, um, calling a snap that was at Jamar's face mask a high snap, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, how do you go into then, or how do you correct these mistakes? Because two weeks left of the regular season, how much are mm. these drilled on the practice field? How many, how much is this classroom work? How do you correct mental mistakes? Uh, just, just being more focused on the details, um, having, being accountable, having everyone else hold you accountable. Uh, I did have a couple of bad snaps in the game. Uh, even the ones that are face masks, you really want it around the chest area. So just, just fine tuning things like that. Like, um, it's hard to be perfect, but you can always still strive to be that. So uh, that's something that I'm going to be working on this week, making sure everything, especially when we have read options or anything like that, that the ball is right, or Jamar, Jamar, Alex don't have to look both ways to make sure they're not they're not getting pressured. Or and then drops is something that receivers can work on as well. Just uh, everybody just holding themselves a little bit more accountable, being a little bit more focused in and dialed in that practice is a. Uh, is how we're going to get those uh, problems because it's a lot. It is a lot of little things, but when it's so many little things, they become big. So just focusing on your little part, your one eleventh, and moving forward that way is uh, how we're really going to focus on in that practice this week. So if, if you're talking about correcting snaps that were, you know, a little bit all over the place, is mm-hmm. that something you're trying to take extra uh, snaps in practice with the quarterback, just snapping, just to make sure you get in that rhythm, or is it? Simply like, okay, I just need to make sure I concentrate on step one of the process before I do anything else. I would say it's both. So before and after practice, I'll make sure I get a couple more, probably 20 to 25 snaps that are perfect right on the six or right on the two. And then um, just while I'm in the process of the of practice, going through it like a game, okay, uh, I'm stepping right this play, make sure that I open up my hip and the ball's going straight back or I'm stepping left or I'm going to be pulling. So just having a little bit more emphasis on that as well as just making the calls and going through the motions in that, in that sense. So just being a little bit more detailed and, and not, not just going through the motions, but making sure that you're making everything as perfect as it can be. Sure. That makes sense. Um, just uh, give maybe some Birmingham Stallions fans a sigh of relief here. How, I, I mean, there's two injuries to your quarterbacks. I think the Alex one is pretty obvious. He re-injured mm-hmm. that ankle, it seems like. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, how's Jamar's hand doing? I know he kind of uh, hit you, your face mask or something on a release. Uh, is that good to go, you think? Yeah, yeah, no. Jamar J- is good. And then Alex is in treatment getting that ankle right. Uh, it really sucks for him, man, because uh, yeah. we're going to be leaning leaning on that zone read a little bit more as the end of the game went on. And uh, – was saying before the game he was just starting to feel back normal and then just got rolled up in an unfortunate circumstance. So um, he'll be back whenever he can be. And then 
we'll just keep going with Jamar and and, and making sure that we uh we're protecting Jamar as, as as best we can. So, you know, last two weeks of the regular season, how much emphasis on being conservative, or at the very least, like holding maybe banged up players out of the game? Do you think there is? Like talking, Alex is probably not going to play, right? But um, but if you're talking like Vic Bolden was out last week, I don't know where he is in his recovery. If there's someone mm-hmm. who's on like that 50-50 line of playing, do you think you guys are going to keep them out with the hopes of let's just get fully healthy for the playoff push? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. For guy, if, if guys are, you know, feeling 100%, then uh, Coach Holt has made it be known that we're not going to be resting because um, it's not a long season. Uh, of course, we want to go into the playoffs as healthy as possible, but we want to make sure that we're keeping up the streak that we do have. So um, if guys are 100% healthy with no nagging injuries or anything like that, they're going to play. But um, if, you know, we don't want anybody to go out there that, you know, this isn't the playoffs yet. So we don't want anybody to go out there and hurt something when they're not 100%. So we're just going to be smart when it comes to that. And um, if guys are out there, they'll be good enough to play and feel that, they're uh, close enough to 100 to, to, to contribute to a winning effort. That is probably smart. Um, mm. Offensively, like like we talked about, there's some weird things. You guys are still running the ball pretty well. I feel like your back uh, field is really talented. I feel like they're really complimentary. I think yes. Bo coming in was exactly what you guys were missing, and mm. you guys are killing it there. Uh, one thing that seems a little bit off still and I'm wondering if you have anything, any insights into why. Like the timing on screen seems to be a little bit off. Obviously, there's some situations yeah. where uh, there should have been some contact made before releasing. But overall, mm-hmm. again, is that something you guys are drilling in practice then? Just trying we to get the timing we, right? We have been drilling the screen and trying to get the timing right. But it's um, we just got to all be on the same page. We have a, a very diverse screen game a lot of things sound alike so one guy might hear one thing and all it takes is on offense all it takes is one guy to make a mistake for a screen to be blessed bust you know and uh, we looked at a lot of the screens that we did run and if we were all on the same page they would have been really really big plays so we just that's what that's one of the things that we just got to make sure that we're dialed in and locked in so that we can all get the play right and uh, have a successful play or a successful screen we're back it's like we're like one for 15 on screens right now so yeah. Yeah. And just talking about some of your playmakers. I mean, those backfield guys talking about maybe Marlon Williams, Vic Bolden, mm-hmm. those are guys that need the ball in their hands in open space. I think once that clicks, I mean, this is the best offense in the USFL right now. That's mm-hmm. going to be, it's going to yeah. be unstoppable, you know? Definitely. And that's a, that's a lot of stuff that we talk about in the room is how talented we can be. And we're getting by right now. Our defense is playing lights out, but, we we can we can really take take control of a lot of games if we just start executing on our part, you know, uh, going up a couple of scores, forcing forcing another team to only throw, and then letting our defensive line actually eat, and then our DBs cover and make plays like they already are making plays. So we just, mm-hmm. just got to be better at complementary ball because right now it's a little bit one sided. Yeah, uh, yeah. Once you guys com- play complete games, I mean, it, it's going to be. A force to be reckoned with for sure. Definitely. Um, this was also your first game at Legion Field. Mm-hmm. So does that change anything for you? Or do you think it did change anything for you in terms of anything being off? Was it just awkward, a little bit weird, or anything at all? 
Uh, I don't think it changed that much at all from in, in my in my personal opinion. Um, still had a good turnout crowd wise. Um, field is just uh, I, I would say protective. The actual the the conditions of the field are a little bit better at protective, but uh, Legion is still a good field and and uh, it wasn't that much of a difference. When you guys play there, do you practice there during the week too? No, we still practice. We practice at a a complex that's like 20 minutes away. Um, Sometimes we'll practice at Legion, but sometimes we'll practice at Protective. But they had a lot of stuff going on at both places this week. So we just went to our normal spot um, in Hoover. So, Okay, that makes sense. Um, Then lastly, just about this game, this past game, um, like I said, it, it, it was a tough game as a 10-9 game. Third quarter specifically, it seemed like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Yeah. It was, uh, you guys didn't start with the ball. And then, you know, there was a fumble. There's the Alex injury, Jamar injury, a missed field goal. Did it feel any different on the sideline in terms of, you know, people getting fired up, coaching, uh, you know, chemistry? Did, did, was there a different feel on the sideline? There, there wasn't that much of a different feel, but there was a more of a sense of urgency because we knew that the defense was really playing well, minus the first drive. But New Orleans is a good team; they're going to have their points too. Mm-hmm. And um, we just knew it was a sense of urgency, knowing that you know there's only four quarters to play. We got to get this thing going eventually to help our defense out and make sure that we can secure a win. And um, but it wasn't that much of a difference. Guys just riled up, making sure that we were all recognizing the moment that we have right now and just trying to capitalize. So it wasn't maybe a little bit more, um, I guess, vocal guys on the sideline, but not anything like with bad intentions or anything like that. Guys just making sure that the the guy next to him is getting ready to go because we need it right now. Absolutely. In this type of league, and you can talk about AAF, XFL as well, how often is there the sort of player leader like that, like that vocal leader on the sideline, do you think it's any different than a normal league? Because obviously teams that have been together longer, they have that uh, Mm -hmm. chemistry. They've had the hierarchy, the people who built themselves up, but you guys really just got brought together. So is it less or do you? I I wouldn't say there's any type of hierarchy or anything like that. Whenever guys are feeling the type of way they're, they know that, 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 uh, Everybody in our team is, is is willing to listen because we all put in the same amount of work. We all want to win. So there's no hierarchy, but, um, you know, mo- most of the time the starters is the, – the starters are the leaders of the group, so the one that's talking. So Marlon, Marlon talks a lot. Uh, Bo talks a lot. Me and Cam talk a lot. Uh, Jamar, everybody's vocal. We're just making sure that we're all on the same page and know that we got to get it done right now. And the defensive guys are always talking. That's, that's, that's really their thing. <laughs> They're always <laughs> yeah. talking. Yeah, I could imagine. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Um, Elber Mondego wants to know, just over the course of your life, has there been a sports icon that has influ- influenced you the most? Um, a sports icon. Mm, I wouldn't say an icon because, I mean, not that many people know him, but my my older brother was a was a damn good football player. Like when I was growing up, I was I wasn't good at football yet. And my, my brother was a beast. The only thing I ever wanted to do was be as good as he was. And then that's why we ended up going to UCF because he was there. And uh, he ended up not pursuing playing uh, professional ball. But when I was coming up and he was in the house already, my dad was was coaching him. Uh, my older brother, Cliff, was uh, 
who I really looked up to. How much older was he? Uh, he's six years older than me and my brother. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, watching him play high school, then you're in middle school, just trying to, you know, get there. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, Bobby Samsonite wants to know uh, who is the funniest guy on the offensive line? Is it you or is it a teammate? Um, I guess this is biased, but I, I, I have to say me. And uh, I would, uh, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I'm probably top two funniest on the team, and I'm not two. So you do what you will with that information. Okay. Okay. Uh, putting everyone else on notice. Uh, Jake Osman wants to know uh, you talked about anime. Do you watch any sports anime? Uh, sports anime. That is a. Uh... That's a good one. I don't think I've ever heard of sports anime, so I can't say that I have. If you got any suggestions, uh, you know, feel free to let me know for the next next episode because I would I would uh I definitely like to get into that. Okay, I know he's talked about yeah. There's something. There's some sort of anime that I know he likes for sure. That's I think volleyball related. I don't know. I'll, okay, I'll get a name. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Birmingham Stallions eight and zero this week. They play on Saturday at six p.m. Eastern on USA Network against the Houston Gamblers. Houston Gamblers, you know, don't let the record fool you. That's a team that we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. where it's one play either way, and they are a completely different team. I think they've led at halftime in maybe six of their games or so, and they only have one win. So yeah. it's not like they're a bad football team. Yeah, no, they, they they we had a conversation about them yesterday, and uh, they're they're a good football team. Just just the games that we found a way to win, they've just found ways to lose. Like they've lost. You looked at their their schedule; it's a it's a, a four game span of them losing either on the last play or by less than three points. So it's a uh, it's tough, man. They 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 having a, a rough go at it, but they're they're still a good team. So we got to approach them as such. 100%. I mean, just watching your last game, too. I mean, talk about a game of inches. Your yeah. kicker, Brandon Aubrey, if it was one inch outside, if, that kick wouldn't have made. made if, it, we were, if we were backed up one more yard, that's a miss. So it's like, it is uh, it is definitely a game of inches. And um, I'm glad we've been on the good side of things so far. But we got to stop making these things so damn close. <laughs> I know. Makes it interesting. But yeah, definitely yeah, does. If you guys could, you know, get some rest in the fourth quarter because you're up by so much, I think that could be a good thing, too. That that definitely would help. Uh, but this was inside the USFL. Again, Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, USA Network. See Jordan play the Houston Gamblers and see if uh, the Birmingham Stallion Center can continue to run the table and go 9-0. and uh, Jordan, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, that's it, man. Make sure you guys tune in on Saturday and then uh, tune in next week, Monday, to, so we can talk about it in the 9-0 Stallion. Absolutely. Send in your questions wherever you uh, uh, you know see this podcast, whether it's Facebook, Reddit, Twitter. Let us know, and we will be here next week. See ya. See ya. Peace.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.